everyone, you're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. Today I have with me Dr. Jonathan Kood. Dr. Kood is our good friend and has been a part of Fellowship Church for a long, long time, and we, we so often sit at the feet of the armchair experts. We might watch Oprah, Dr. Phil, and that's fine and dandy, but we've got Dr. Kood. <laughs> Thank you, appreciate that. But, but really though, Jonathan, you, you are a, a, a Christian man. You have a, a Christian counseling center, and you've helped me in my life so, so much, and in our marriage, and so many others. It, it's just great to be able to use technology. So, yep. so Fellowship Church can sit on this couch and learn from you, and not only those of us who are married can learn, but also, Jonathan, singles better be watching this because if the stats are true, most singles will get married mm-hmm. and they need to know this stuff, don't they? Yeah, and I like to say it's really not a mystery in who we choose, but it's a mastery of a certain set of skills and understanding really what the marriage is about, how God created it and the real purpose of it. Jonathan talks to so many people about this very subject that we've been dealing with, love affair. And I want to talk to you, Jonathan, a little bit about this whole subject because it's such a powerful subject and so many of us deal with the implications of it either in one way or another. Yeah, as as licensed marriage and family therapist, I mean, it is a daily almost... uh uh, sometimes hourly in my uh, day what I, what I deal with, with just seeing the hurts of, of people. I'm really amazed. In fact, just in looking at my own practice as well as uh, some of the research out there tells us that about 40% of women are involved in infidelity or affairs and about 60% of men. That now, is so that, much. Has that figure risen for women as of late or not? Well, I don't think as of late. I think it's been more since the uh, end of, of World War II when people, women went back into the workforce. Uh, but it is it's pretty rampant out there. And what that really means is that if you look at 40% with women, 60% with men, that uh, since most or some of the time that women and men who are married are not involved in affairs at the same time, that, mean, that means as much as 80% of our marriages are affected by infidelity. That's an incredible number. Wow. That's that's incredible. That's unbelievable. One other thing that we really don't think about, we think about divorce in terms mm-hmm. of uh, 50%, but actually over a longitudinal study, actually that 50% is uh, a snapshot in any one year that um, uh, uh, out of 100 couples, mm-hmm. out of 100 marriages in one year, there are 50 divorces. That's kind of where that we get that statistic that everybody quotes. But actually, uh, uh, over a longitudinal study of, of about 40 years, 67% of marriages do not make it. Only 33% of marriages uh, get to the point of 40 years. That that's, is that's tragic. But, but that's, that's the kind of uh, uh, situation we're living in in terms of uh, So So 33% marriages. of the marriages make it, and then only 20% survive their their marital life without being affected by adultery that that's people ask me all the time Ed, why do affairs why do affairs occur yeah I was gonna ask you that because why in, in your opinion because you've talked to hundreds and hundreds of couples at different stages of life why do they occur why do people end up in the wrong bed mm-hmm. That's a great question, and it is somewhat complex, but let's see if we can break yeah. it down a little okay. bit. I call affairs slow leaks. 
in our relationship. They're exits from our relationship where energy that should be put into the relationship actually is placed in another area, whether it's work, recreation, sometimes ministry. A lot of people think uh, it's uh, just a moral issue. Now, don't, uh, don't take me wrong here, but it is immoral. It is a sin. And yet a survey of Americans showed that 90% of Americans believe that uh, infidelity is wrong. So that tells us something. Even yeah, we have that moral compass built in to our spirit by God himself. Right. So, and that yeah. other 10%, I don't know what they're thinking. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> but yeah. what that tells us that is that we really can't look at it only from a moralistic standpoint mm -hmm. because that, uh, that's too easy. Uh, because everybody knows it's wrong, and yet with those statistics of how much it occurs, then we have to know it's, it's something else too. Uh, a lot of researchers talk about it from a needs standpoint, uh, that it's unmet needs. And on some level, I really believe that, and I'd like to talk about that a little further. But ultimately, uh, I believe it's about the negativity in our marriages that leads not only to divorce in the worst case scenario, but really sets us up uh, to have our needs not met, negativity, negative emotions occur, negative affect, and we end up being more vulnerable. What are some word pictures that you use, maybe some illustrations that would really paint a picture of what an affair is about or the anatomy of committing adultery? Yeah, you know, the best one I've uh, been able to come up uh, with is uh, my swimming pool uh, illustration. Uh, you know, couples uh, create their relationship in certain ways. And, and it's just like they sit down at the uh, kitchen table and design out their swimming pool. They design where it's going to be, how large it's going to be. They design the deck. Uh, in fact, they even go out there and work with the workers. They may even do some of the work themselves on digging the pool, but they're there together. Uh, they'll pour the concrete or, or watch and, and manage the process. Uh, everything to filling it up, everything from the color that they choose. They will choose the board. And actually, after that pool is ready, they will walk up hand in hand and get on the board together. And at that point, one person jumps. The other does not push them. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really important, clear delineation of responsibility in infidelity. And what that means is, the person who committed the affair, they were not pushed into that, but both people had a great responsibility in creating the relationship that brought them to the point where infidelity crept in. You're saying, though, that, that our normal response would be, okay, she slept in the wrong bed, she's the bad person. Right. He slept in the wrong bed, he's the bad person. So, yeah, they, they did step over the ledge and the edge. Right. They did jump in the pool. But what you're saying is both dug the pool, put the deck, picked the colors, and filled it up with water and the diving board, whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's hard for some people, especially. That, that, is, that is tough to swallow, yeah. yes. Again, it's not a thing of blame, but it's a thing that marriage is really is a oneness, is a, is, is a team process that we can't separate uh, completely out. And you, we do want to, and the word there is vilify. We want to vilify I like one person or the other. And that puts it back in the moral arena. And obviously, it's sin, it's immoral, but it's much more and much more complex than that. It is. When couples have uh, an affair as a part of their relationship, uh, if there's one affair, Ed, uh, 
80% of those marriages continue. Only 20% of marriages fall by the wayside as a direct result of an affair over, over a lifetime. And so from that standpoint, that's pretty encouraging to know that that's not a marriage killer. Mm -hmm. In fact, that's a great myth out there that we have a tendency to believe that uh, infidelity leads to divorce. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't have to. I think we, especially in the church, are quick to, to go to that point. Well, that's the out. You know, Jesus talked about um, uh, marriage as an eternal uh, relationship or a lifelong relationship, mm -hmm. except for the case of adultery. And I think we see that as the exception clause. We even call it that. But uh, unfortunately, I, I believe we need to, as a church, be saying to couples, to marriages, stay together. You can overcome an affair. Another myth okay, is, is that sex is what the infidelity is about. So myth number one, infidelity does not lead to divorce. Myth number two is the fact that infidelity, it's not about the sex. That's right. It's not about the sex. It's really huh. about that sense of uh, companionship. And as we all know, that's how it starts. Uh, the friendship, the, uh, the flirting, just that sense of good feeling mm -hmm. of connectedness that we have uh, with the opposite sex uh, on a friendship level. Another myth uh, is that uh, hostility yeah, or yeah. just negative affect or negative emotions really hurt marriages. It, it really doesn't. It's just what we do with that. We don't want to be critical or, or blame, uh, but we do need to find a place in our marriages uh, where we can complain. Conflict avoidance is really something that, uh, that is a, not a good process in marriage. That's why I like to talk to couples when I uh, teach a class or seminar on, on newlyweds or premarrieds. Talk about the goodness of conflict because when we run into each other, what we're doing is we're moving closer. The impetus, the momentum is for the couples to begin to blend and move mm -hmm. toward each other. But unfortunately, we bump up against each other when we do that. So the positivity has to outweigh uh, the negativity about five to one. In couples who ultimately end up in divorce, the negativity, the ratio of that to positivity is about 1.25 to one, which means there's more negativity wow. than positivity. And so the positive nature of our relationship, the friendship, Ed, is, is so, so important to affair-proof your marriage. What happens after people get in affairs? Sometimes, unfortunately, the marriages uh, do end and they have this, the grass is always greener mentality. But when couples end up having an affair and getting a divorce and they end up marrying their affair, you would not believe how very few times, it's like 10, 15% of the time, does that marriage last. You have like an 85% statistic that that marriage will end when they marry the affair. And so people think though, okay, if I hook up with him, if I hook up with her and get married, then all my problems will be solved, all my right. needs will be met, Jonathan, it'll be smooth sailing. That's right. That's another myth that we're talking about that getting it with another person will cure my pain. So another myth is hooking up with another person will cure my cure pain. My pain. Yeah, and what we really do, though, is we just marry another set of problems. We do, don't we? And we bring the problems from our marriage over to this adulterous relationship. So I say this is your best chance to have a successful marriage, even if somebody is sitting in there and they're right in the middle of an adultery-type situation. This is your best chance to have a successful marriage, not only statistically, but also in terms of what God wants us. So you mean... 
in the relationship they're in right now, the marriage okay. they're in right now, even if they're committing adultery, if they, okay. even if they're hooked up with someone sleeping in the wrong bed, you would say, jump out of that bed, jump in the right bed, and work on your marriage today. That's the, that's the way to do it. So, so now, what are, what are those needs, though, Jonathan, that, that I want to talk about that, the needs you were just referring to. One of our favorite books, we talk about that a lot yeah. when we're together, is uh, Willard Harley, His Needs, Her Needs, or as Lisa has said when she's with you. Yeah, Lisa has said, I need to write one called, no, she needs to write one called His Needs, His Needs. That's right. Being married to you, I yes. can see that. No, I'm just kidding. We'll be uh, offering that book, <laughs> His Needs, His Needs. <laughs> That's right, by Ed Young. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but that, that book, His Needs, Her Needs, really says a lot of very good things to talk it's about how book. God made us different with really a different set of needs. Mm -hmm. And obviously the, the number one no-brainer need is about sex for a guy, sexual fulfillment. And, uh, but notice there's a fulfillment on that. So it's not, <laughs> it's just, not just sex, sex. Right. sexual fulfillment. That's right. And so there's an emotional component to that. And um, it probably would be good to just talk about those needs, the recreational companionship. What do we do with our friends? We go out and play. So a guy, you're talking about guys now, sexual fulfillment, mm -hmm. then recreational companionship. Yeah, we just like to get together and have a buddy. In fact, our wives need to be our play partner, a person who we can go out and recreate mm -hmm. with, or if they don't like that particular sport, they can uh, go with us to it or watch or... See, that's why we as guys just love to sit in front of the TV and have our wives come and sit beside us while uh -huh. we're watching football or golf or whatever we may be watching. That's the recreational thing that guys just like to hang out and do. Well, you know, last night, Lisa and I, uh, walked into our barn. We were moving some um, stuff from her little garden into this uh, kind of dilapidated structure, and I have a boat in there with all my rod and reels. And Lisa goes, "You know what? I'm ready for you to take me fishing again." Okay. That made me feel good when oh. she when she said that. Well, that lights your ready? fire. Yeah. Yeah. For you to take me fishing again. That's right. And sometimes the whole idea of going out to the barn yes. and her doing that as a project, uh -huh. hanging out with you, that's that same recreational thing. You're doing well, she was really going to the barn. I was kind of following hey, her. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it is, though. You're right. Yeah, I mean, to go out on your, mm -hmm. you know, out, out on the lake or yeah. whatever you do, yeah. the, yeah. the, the kayaking or mm -hmm. whatever you like to do. For a guy, that is really very, very important. Sometimes I call that the project partner need. We, we need our wives to just do stuff with, to hang so out So the with. application would be, um, hey, wives, uh, women, uh, do some stuff recreationally and, and, and project-wise mm -hmm. with your husband. That's right. That's a very basic need. Okay. Uh, another one, um, based on an adage that men fall in love with their eyes, women fall in love with their ears. I mean, God made us visual. We like. I never heard that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah we, we like to have, number three need, an attractive spouse. You know, call us. Shallow. Call us shallow if you want, but that's how God made Superficial. us. Superficial. Yep. Yeah, we do get called that at times, yes. don't we? Prideful. And yet that's kind of, and yet that's really how God made us, very uh -huh. visual, and we like the, uh, the, the nice, uh, uh, the attractiveness of our spouse. Mm -hmm. That came back as the number three need of a guy. Number four need. Uh, domestic support. We like to have uh, a wife who will create the atmosphere of the home. And that's very important, the peacefulness at times and creating the, the nice atmosphere that yeah. we like to come home to. I call it sometimes the castle mentality. We like to come home from the war out there and come home to a peaceful, safe uh, place. Uh, yeah, sometimes that may take the form of uh, doing those domestic things that we like, uh, but uh, more importantly is creating that atmosphere. 
And uh, number five need uh, that we have as guys may be the important, uh, most important one for a lot of men, and that's the need for affirmation, appreciation, respect. That's the truth, yes. Yeah. We like it. And I've heard you say mm -hmm. many times that, you know, it doesn't matter who else compliments you on a, on a sermon or a presentation. It's really uh, the, the affirmation that Lisa yeah, There's nothing like Lisa telling me, great job. It's one thing to hear a lot of people say, well, I enjoyed that or whatever. But when Lisa says it, it's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so if we take a look at those five, I mean, some, maybe this does uh, solidify the fact that we're pretty superficial. Let's see, we like to have sex. We like to have somebody to play with. We like to have somebody who's pretty take care of us and tell us how great we are. You know, that's it. That's so, it. So that's those, the five. That's it. Yeah. That's all we need is guys. The fabulous five. That's right. The fab five. That's all we need. So we're pretty simple, aren't we? Well, a lot of times we are. <laughs> we are. Yeah. Now, Jonathan, I hear that you understand women. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. I wish. I won the lottery <laughs> twice this week. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Women um, are complex creatures. Well, you know, according to men, they are. According to women, they're not that yeah, complex. Yeah, I, mean, they're, they're, I think they're smarter than we are. No. I really believe that. No, no doubt. I mean, I, I live, yeah. of course, with Lisa, and then we have four children. Three of the four are women. Mm -hmm. We've got a female English Mastiff who weighs 165 pounds, <laughs> a female Dachshund who's like, you know, 15 years old. But we do have a male Doberman, so we're catching up yes, around the good. young household. Yeah. But I think it's, it's so important for us as men to really know about what, as much as we possibly can, what makes our, uh, our wives tick or, or mm -hmm. what makes our wives tick or really what they need. And it's kind of ironic that none of the top five needs for a woman are listed on a guy's top five. Needs. That's not shocking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't think you, we're going to find sex on the top five <laughs> right. needs of a woman. And the Harley book again, the affection, the number one need of a woman. And basically we define that as romance, that sense of, this may be a foreign term to some men, but non-sexual touching. I think that's really important to know that it's about the hugs. The so you kisses. mean there's such a thing as non-sexual touch? There is, believe it or Come not. Come on, Jonathan. Yeah, there really is. And I think it's important enough yeah. to put that at the top because women uh, really get attuned uh, emotionally because of the, uh, of the affection need being met. And that's when we take them for a walk where we just spend time with them, the quality time, or really talk their love language, whether it's acts of service or words or, or the quality time, whatever it may be. Number two, uh, need of a woman, uh, according to the, that Harley study, was uh, uh, conversation. I define conversation as being a good listener. Men, we've, need, we've got to become better listeners. We want to fix problems. We want to do something with it instead of just listen. Yeah, that's what I do, Jonathan. Lisa talks, and I'll go, well, you should do this, you should do that. Boom, boom, boom. And she goes, no, I don't want to. She doesn't want to hear me trying to fix the problem. Yeah, just to listen. In fact, that talking, that conversation is so important to women. The third need is openness and honesty. And what that's talking about is our wives' need for us to be open and honest with them not about how we feel about them all the time, but really how we're feeling about us, or in a word, vulnerability. They need us to share with them, mm -hmm. let them enter into our hearts and share with them what's going on in our lives. And that's another point of connection for most women. In fact, I usually say that these top three needs of a woman are the best foreplay that we can be involved in with our wives. And that is the non-sexual touching, the affection, the romance, the conversation, the listening to them, and also pouring our hearts out to them. So that's real foreplay. That is real foreplay.
Uh, this morning, I had someone in my office say, you mean if I talk to you about my hurts and fears, you won't criticize me or you won't think badly of me? And that really touched her heart because yes. at that point he started crying. And, and I really affirmed the guy. I said, you know, that's what your wife needs. She doesn't need you to be strong. She needs you to be tender at certain points of time in your relationship. Uh, the fourth need that, that, that's talked about is uh, uh, financial security. Uh, most women like to feel that their husbands can take care of those needs. In fact, statistically, women are in and out of the workforce more than men and we know why because of the child rearing the you know they have babies we don't mm -hmm. uh, the, the fifth need family commitment very important for for women to know that their husband is going to be there and this is not only about fidelity or keeping sex within the marriage this is about the long-term commitment they're going to be to be there with their wives for the child rearing process the forever thing it's not just about the fidelity that family commitment that's why it's important, I guess, to talk about when you're with your wife, the future and your dreams and your aspirations is what's going to happen maybe, you know, 10, 20 years down the road. So you're meeting two needs at that point. You're being open and honest with her, and you're also creating an atmosphere of uh, stability and commitment when you're talking about the future with mm -hmm. them. I think it's very important to, uh, to let them in on your thoughts. And, uh, you know, we're talking about infidelity, and, and if the needs are not met then there is a, a low-grade negativity that begins to build. And again, the negativity is what ultimately leads to divorce, not the affair uh, necessarily. Uh, and because if the needs aren't addressed, that negativity can really go very quickly if you're in a real chaotic relationship. Uh, it can occur the first seven years of a marriage. That's when divorce is really high. Uh, or it can occur later if you have a, more of a, a slow residual buildup of negativity. And the research again tells us that about the 16th year, around when the first child gets to be 14, that there's a very high incidence of divorce as well. But it's not about the infidelity. It's about the negativity and about the lack of friendship that, uh, that's revealed over time in a relationship. So if a woman would do those five things, and if a man would do those five things, then as they're getting outside of themselves, they're ending up getting their needs met by meeting the other's needs. It's your MWE. That's right. The marital work ethic. Right. MWE. Taking on that intentionality of meeting uh, those needs. But you know that verse that talks about submit yourself one to another out mm -hmm. of reverence for Christ. I think that really gives us a good picture of uh, the reciprocal nature of how we need to be involved in focusing on the needs of each other. I'll say it like this, uh, being married is not about getting your needs met. Mm -hmm. Being married successfully is really about learning how to meet your partner's needs. It's the Christ-like giving. That's good. So instead of, man, I'm not getting my needs met. Well, you're not satisfying me or you're not blah, blah, blah. Instead of saying that, we should think about their needs and meet their needs. Is and that, is that that's, what you're saying? That's exactly right. Yeah. Because if you're saying that, whose list are you focused on? Your own. And again, your job description and mine is as well as a man is to right. take her needs mm -hmm. as my job description and then focus on that. And Jonathan, ultimately, though, it's, it's um, about God, isn't it? Well, it's about God meeting our needs. Yes, it's it about is. the commitment. It's about realizing who thought of marriage yeah. in the first place. Because God's the one, and when we turn everything over to Him, then He gives us the, that, the Spirit 
to think about others' needs, we realize that marriage is a covenant that has been graced to us by the Lord himself, and, and, and everything works that way. So, so I think that's a profound point. Yeah, it is a moral issue. Sure. It is a way to alleviate pain, I mean, to stay faithful, but, and it's complex. Mm-hmm. But but the bottom line is, I mean, the, the all-encompassing issue is it's all about God. And we forget where marriage comes from, and it comes from the mind, the creative mind of God himself. Jonathan, it's been great to have you here. Thanks so much sure. for uh, giving us your time. I kind of feel like I ought to write you a check <laughs> after this. This has been this has been awesome, and, and it's so so great to be able to talk to you and to interview you and to have Fellowship Church in a real way sit on this couch and right. listen because the stats are, are, are pretty, are pretty, uh, and pretty scary, Jonathan. And sometimes as bleak as the stats are, yeah. we always want to give some hope yes. because it doesn't matter how bleak the stats may be. That's right. With God's working in a person's life, in a couple's life, marriages can take off and there's always hope for reconciliation, Mm -hmm. moving toward putting the thing back together and having an even better marriage than you ever had. And when we do that, we'll have a true love affair. Thank you for listening and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.